Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of Rabbi Avi Havivi's weekly Sidur class. We tend to think, when I say we, I don't know, maybe that just means me, okay? Many people, I think, tend to think of the bracha is sim shalom, and there's this thing that the chazan does in the repetition, the priestly blessing, which is stuck before sim shalom. That's actually the backwards way of thinking about it, probably. Um, we know from the Mishnah sources that at Second Temple times, in the daily morning ritual, the conclusion of it was that the Kohanim would bless the people. It just says bless the people. We assume they bless them with the, the, the triple blessing from the Torah. Um, and then, so, so the priestly blessing was at some point in second temple times, the conclusion of the morning ritual. This is, you know, probably long before the Amidah existed as a prayer. So then, once the Amidah was constructed sometime in Tanaitic times, we don't exactly know when, um, it concluded with the priestly blessing and a paragraph which was an expansion on the priestly blessing. So when we look at the wording of it, what we'll see is Sim Shalom is probably an expansion of Birkat Kohanim, the priestly blessing. So rather than, because we, again, we say the Amida individually, privately first, we think of it as this individual, you know, contemplative, meditative prayer, which is not originally what it was. Originally, all prayers were recited aloud, right? So Sim Shalom is actually an expanded version of Birkat Kohanim rather than Birkat Kohanim is this thing which is stuck uh, in before Sim Shalom. We're, we're also misled, of course, by printers, right, who usually print Birkat Kohanim in a smaller font saying reader adds it, right, which, you know, gives us then the psychological feeling that that added, that that's added, it's a thing that's added in and is not primary, so historically, probably Birkat Kohanim is primary. Sim Shalom is an expanded version of Birkat Kohanim. We know that there was a point in Talmudic times where Birkat Kohanim was recited in Eretz Yisrael, but not in Babylonia. And then it evolved that the Chazan uh, was allowed to recite Birkat Kohanim um, uh, the Chazan was allowed to recite Birkat Kohanim, although there are differences for, I assume, I assume most people here have seen Duchening, you know, official Kohanim doing the priestly blessing at least once in their lives. But, you know, there are a number of differences in how it's recited between when the Kohanim say it and when the, when the Chazan says it. Probably a primary one um, textually is that when Kohanim recite Birkat Kohanim, um, we say Amen to each line, whereas when the Chazan says it, we say Kein Yihiratzon, 
okay, which is kind of a, a, a I don't know, a lessening sort of, as it were. Um, and uh, just to mention, Birkat Koanim in the diaspora, although it differs in different communities, but the mainstream Ashkenazi tradition is Birkat Koanim, uh, or what we what's called in Yiddish duchening from the word duchan, because duchan means platform. The Koanim would, as, would ascend to the bima. Uh, duchening is done in most mainstream Ashkenazi Orthodox shuls in the diaspora on festivals that fall on weekdays, like Sukkot, for example, not when it's Shabbat. In Israel, it's actually recited every morning. Okay. Um, so, um, you know, weekday morning minion, the small shul, one or two Kohanim in the Kahal, they go up and do Birkat Kohanim. Um, Even in conservative shuls. Right. So there are a few. So in general, in the liberal synagogues, Birkat Kohanim was done away with because uh, Birkat Kohanim has done, was done away with. Birkat Kohanim done by Kohanim. It was done away with because um, this idea of hereditary power to convey blessing was disapproved of in the liberal movements, by which I mean um, uh, reform and conservative. I know there are some, uh, I davened once in a conservative shul in Sharon, Massachusetts, that does Birkat Kohanim, and they never lost it. They never stopped doing it. So there are a few conservative shuls where they do Duchening and they've never stopped doing it, meaning they didn't do away with it in the year 1880-something or whenever. Um, there are some conservative shuls that have brought it back, Um and, you know, I assume Masorti shuls in Israel. I don't know if all Masorti shuls in Israel do it. Um, maybe you can uh, 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 tell us, Larry. But um, I assume Masorti shuls in Israel do it because, I don't know, shuls in Israel do it every day and everyone does it every day. And it's not such a, quote unquote, special thing in the United States. It's a special thing. I remember I would take my kids down to the local modern Orthodox shul. You know, I try to do it once on Yom Tov because I wanted them to experience duchening. Um, 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 in Israel, it is less of a, when I say special, I mean time, you know, not done very often. That's what I mean by special. Um, uh, and so I'm assuming that's why Masor Tishuls do it. Larry, do all Masor Tishuls do it in Israel? I doubt it. I don't know if they all do it. Um, Rashid Avraham, which is like what used to be one of the flagship shuls, the shul of David Golinkin and Reuven Hammer, Benji Siegel does it. Uh-huh. I think, but I'm not sure that Mayanot, which is another shul in the same neighborhood, I think that they do it. I know that they do it at the, uh, um, the, 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 the Agron. Yeah, the Agron Street shul. I know okay. they do it. Okay. And I know that they do it in French Hill. So those, those are the only ones that I know for sure. It's at least four. Okay. All right. Um, Joanne, uh, you have a question. I just wanted to comment that um, my observation has been that um, only shuls that maintain the distinction during Torah reading of calling up a Kohen and a Levi are shuls which would do So generally shuls that have, you know, abolished the distinction of Kohen and Levi during Torah reading Okay. Although the although there are a lot of shuls that still call up a Kohen and Levi 
that don't do duchening. But maybe it's not the other way around. Maybe shuls that do duchening maintain the distinction. By the way, and I remember our, rabbi, our own Rabbi Perry Netter at Temple Beth Am many years ago came down to the Library of Maine and gave a Dvar Torah at Parshat Naso in, in, in the Book of Numbers, which is when we have the priestly blessing in the Torah. And he was in favor of like, why don't, exper- why don't, why don't we experiment with restoring duchening to our synagogue and why doesn't the library minion do that? But the fish were not biting. Um, uh-huh. I, I myself think, by the way, that, um, you know, if we wanted to restore that and we didn't like the idea of hereditary, we could say like, it's the officers of the synagogue who offer up the duchening or something like that. If we wanted That's to great, have- That's great, but how are you going to get them into shul? But I'm bummed. Well, if you sent them a notice, you know, a week in advance, then they might, then they might come to shul, right? Um, so, uh, you know, if you wanted to say, well, we, we, we want to have, um, you know, a, a leadership class that conveys God's blessing to the people, but we disapprove of the idea of a hereditary leadership class, um, you know, cause we're Americans and we're democratic and all that stuff. Um, then there would be ways of doing that. But we're not going to talk more about that right now because I do want to come to the back to the text. Okay. So Sim Shalom. Can I make one more comment? In in a moment. So Sim Shalom is actually an expanded form of Birkat Kohanim rather than Birkat Kohanim is a thing that is in small print that is stuck in before Sim Shalom. Okay, Michael. I was going to say that another difference between uh, Duchening and, and when the Chazan uh, does the prayer is that, that when you, during Duchening, the Chazan says each line first. Yeah, and, well, there, there are many differences. Right. We're not going to enumerate all the different. There are many okay. differences. Right. But the one I want to highlight is when the Kohanim do it, which means I'm going to put it in air quotes. It's for real. Then we say Amen. And when the Chazan just says, well, this is a thing that the Kohanim do or did, which means it's less, it's sort of one step removed. Then we say, can you hear its own? May it be your will. Um, Jonathan Warren, page 43 in the slim, page 120 in the sim. Okay. I don't think I want to talk. I, I feel like, you know, we've had multiple classes in the past on Birkat Kohanim. So I think I don't want to talk too much about it. It's clear that it is... Um, Something that particularly when we're recited by the Kohanim was something that was experienced to have um, real power of blessing. It's highly unusual literarily. The first line has three words. The second line has five words. The third line has seven words, three, five, seven. The first line has 15 letters. The second line has 20 letters. The third line has 25 letters, 15, 20, 25. We know there are all sorts of, you know, number things in the Bible that are meant to be literary markers. Um, and um, uh, so it's clear that um, Birkat Kohanim is highly, I'm just going to say, structured and intentional. We also know um, in terms of it be, being seen to have some sort of, uh, don't take me out of context on this, quasi-magical power. Um, we know that there's a very close version of Birkat Kohanim that was dug up from, I think, two amulets, amulets, little metal amulets that were buried with people when they died in first temple times. It's a long time ago. So that means there were people in first temple times 
who wanted to be buried with their amulet of Birkat Kohanim, or at least something that's very, very similar in wording to Birkat Kohanim. Meaning, going way back, this is something that was seen to be a powerful formula. Okay, so Yivarechachash, let's just pay... I just, I'm, I don't want to dwell too long on the interpretation because I, of every word, because I do want to go on to Sim Shalom, but just pay attention to the words. Yivarechecha Hashem v'yishmerecha. May Hashem bless you. And Yivarechecha usually connotes giving you stuff. And usually that means abundance. And since our ancient Israelite ancestors were small peasant farmers, abundance doesn't usually mean money in the bank or cars in the garage, it usually means food, produce, crops, okay? So the bounty, uh, the word tuv in biblical Hebrew usually means a uh, economic bounty of food, crops, and flocks, right? Wealth was crops and flocks. That was it pretty much. So may God bless you, that is to say, grant you stuff. But again, stuff is not money or cars. Vishmarecha, um, and guard you. Um, and the usual interpretation of Yishmarecha is that Yivarechecha uh, is positive, giving you stuff. And Yishmarecha is um, protecting in the sense of not have the stuff taken away from you or allow you to enjoy the stuff. Okay, so let's just say, may Hashem give you abundance and protect you so that you enjoy it or derive benefit therefrom. That one's easy. Yeah, this is, then it gets harder, more abstract. Ya'er Hashem panavelecha vichuneka. May Hashem literally illuminate, may God shine God's face at you or to you. And be gracious to you, chain, um, chain and grace. There's a, there's a misconception as Rabbi Shai held of Yeshivat Hadar always says, there's a misconception that grace is a Christian concept. There's plenty of grace in classical Jewish theology. Grace means give you things that you don't deserve, right? When I give you stuff, not because it's owed to you, not because you've earned it, but because I'm being kind or loving, that's what chen is most of the time. Okay? So may God shine God's face toward you and give you more than you deserve. It's kind of a way of translating it. Although we, we say it more nicely, more nicely by saying, be gracious to you. Show you grace. All right. Act towards you with grace. Yisa Hashem Panavelecha. So again, something about God's face, but this is not send light, Ya'er from the word or, which we just read in last week's parsha, Yehi or, but Yisa, which means to lift up. So may God lift up God's face towards you. And if I said to you, well, what does that connote? You know, if you just think of it as a human metaphor, lifting up your face probably means taking notice of someone, right? I'm walking around, I'm walking down the street. All of a sudden, I see someone I know. You know, what do you generally do? You kind of look up 
and make eye contact, right? So may God lift up God's face toward you and grant you peace. Shalom. Okay. And, you know, lots of commentator commentaries about the second line and the third line and what do they mean? The first line clearly means stuff. Um, so what is the grace and what is the shalom, which appears to be something other than the stuff? So, you know, is the grace interpersonal, right? Because the other, the other place where grace is, the other way grace is used in biblical Hebrew is people see you and you have chen, like Joseph, right? People saw him and he had chen. It means people liked him. They approved of him. So for God to treat you with chen, does that mean God should make it such that people like you? Okay. Is it something interpersonal? Shalom. Is that community wide? Is that internal peace? So there, you know, every year, Parshat Naso, someone gives a different, uh, interpretation of this. Rabbi Elliot Dorf talks about, um, uh, his drash on this is why is this the blessing that parents give children on Friday nights? Um, because, uh, um, you know, we want them to have good things. Uh, then when the relationship is good, it's the second line. It's a relationship of chain, but there are times when your relationship with your children will be rocky, like when they get to be teenagers or something. And then we pray for shalom because then the relationship is rocky. Then we need shalom. Um, I, I'm sure I misquoted Rabbi Dorf, but that was some, some version of what he says. Um, anything people want to add in the next, I'm going to keep it short on your understanding of these three lines. So feel free to say, I think, or I heard, or whatever. Please keep it lean. Um, and then we're going to go on to Seem Shalom. Comment? Jeff? Yes. Uh, help me understand. My recollection of Duchening is it went on for a while. Nah. And you mean, you no? mean, in, you mean in time? No, I mean, and I remember it was more lengthy than what we're seeing here. Is this a subset? Oh, okay. Uh, So I'm going to be brief about it. So it doesn't go on. It doesn't go on for really long. You must remember it from some time when you were impatient and bored. It's not that long. So the Kohanim come, uh, you know, in brief, in Shul's that do Duchening after Kedusha in the repetition in Musaf. Okay. It's only done in Musaf. Uh, no, that's not true. It's done in Shachrit in, in Israel. In the diaspora, it's only done on holidays. Festivals that fall on not Shabbat and in Musaf after in the Chazan's repetition of the Amidah after Kedusha, the Kohanim and the Leviim go out. Kohanim, uh, uh, the Leviim wash the Kohanim's hand. They come in. They ascend the bima without their shoes. Uh, they make sure to wear slip off loafers that day, not shoes with ties, um, to make it easier. They come up. They face uh, the they say a bracha, okay? Also in some sidurim, there's a different version of ritzay, two blessings before. So there are various sidur changes that the chazan makes, right? The koanim say a bracha, which is Baruch Hashem who commanded us to bless your people Israel. Koanim, where they're, uh, they make the spak, 
hand gesture, which I'm not going to make because I'm not a Kohen. They also wear their taluses over their head and over their hands, so their hands can't be seen. People in the kahal also put their taluses over their head because they're not supposed to look directly, although you are actually supposed to be facing the Kohanim. You're not supposed to turn away. The Chazan leads the Kohanim line by line. The Chazan says, Yivarech and then in some shuls, in each line, before the last word, the Kohanim sing a little yaydaydai melody, right? And in some, if you look at uh, like the art scroll sidur, then there are all sorts of verses we and the Kahal are supposed to be saying while the Kohanim do the blessing, which... Most, I, I want to say most people don't do that. Whatever. The Orthodox shuls that I've gone to, to see Jochenim, most people don't do that. So yes, Jeff, it's longer. It's not super long. It's like, you know, I don't know, a minute and a half instead of 15 seconds. Yeah. But if you're a kid, it probably seems long. Okay. Um, long and... And a little, uh, I remember you weren't allowed to look at them. Not allowed to look, correct. Being a little scared as a kid. Correct. All of these, uh, I'm going to say, again, the cover, the Kohanim cover their head and you cover your head. And if you're a kid, sometimes you come under your, your father's tallest in, um, in Italy, apparently in Rome, I've been told, um, the women come down from the women's gallery and the whole family gathers under the father's talus during Birkat Kohanim. Haven't seen it, but this is what I've been told. Um, and so, yeah, there are various practices around it, customs that I will say enhance the sense that this is, this act, this, uh, speech act is an act of power, right? We know there are modern theorists. There's a guy named Robert Cover, who I hear quoted all the time who, who uh, I don't know if he's an anthropologist or a sociologist or a linguist, but he says that there are times when speech acts have power. Like, like when a judge says guilty is charged, that utterance, normally if I say to you, Jeff, that's a nice shirt you're wearing. That's like, okay, me communicating with Jeff, it has no power. It doesn't make anything happen. It doesn't enact anything. When a judge says guilty is charged, that is a speech enactment that has power. When two people are in front of a justice of the peace and he says, do you take this man? And you say, I do. That's a speech act to have power. Or in Jewish, when a man says, and puts a, a ring on a woman's finger, meaning there are certain speech acts that aren't just communicative, but actually effect or make something happen. Um, and of course, magical formulae are like that also. They're speech acts or, you know, like spells that, that are believed to actually make something happen. They're not just languages communication. So I would say Birkat Kohanim is one of the things in Judaism that we have that's, has a residual effect of its speech that um, does something. What it's supposed to do is what the book of, Devar, of Bamidbar says it is, which is convey 
God's blessing to the people, right? That's why we do it on Friday night with our kids or at certain other circumstances. I've seen it at certainly at B'nai Mitzvah. I've seen it at weddings, right? Okay. Uh, anyone want to say, I'll give you another minute or two. What does it mean? What do the lines mean to you? Feel free to jump in. Okay. No one wanted to jump in. That's fine with me. All right. We can come back to that. So then we have, then we have an expanded version of Sim Shalom. Sorry. An expanded version of the priestly blessing. So in other words, a, when prayers were composed, right? Uh, someone composed a prayer which communicated some of the ideas of Birkat Kawanim in a somewhat expanded essay form. Okay. Sim God. We're talking to God. Sim Shalom Tova Uvracha. Ba'olam, I believe, is added in many liberal sidurim. I do not believe it is in any traditional sidurim. Would require some research to be a hundred percent sure about that. So because this is really clearly directed to Israel, this is the Kohanim's blessing to Israel, and we're embarrassed that we only want to bless Israel, the liberal movements had added Ba'olam. Some of them are Sim Shalom Ba'olam Tovavracha, some of them are Sim Shalom Tovavracha Ba'olam. Okay? So for the moment, let's leave out Ba'olam. It does break the flow, you'll see. Sim Shalom Tova Uvracha Hashem, grant shalom, tova, which um, tova uvracha, remember I told you tova in biblical Hebrew usually means stuff, so this harks back to yivarechacha, chen, which is in the second line of the priestly blessing, but we add chen, when we're talking about chen, grace, to give you favor that you don't necessarily deserve, that you haven't necessarily earned, but just is bestowed upon you because the bestower is being kind. So we extend that to chen vachesed virachamim, grace and loving kindness and compassion. So seem command form, okay, but it's command that's request. So we're saying God. There's nothing here that says God. Okay, it implies God give peace, abundance and blessing, grace, loving kindness and compassion on us and on all Israel. Okay, um, so this is a, 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 a we are saying so the Kohanim, right? So let, let's just take a step back. The Chazan did the lead in Elohim of Elayavotenu. Give us the triple blessing, which is written in the Torah, uh, the Torah, right? Written by Moses. That is, was, that is said by Aaron and his sons, the Kohanim. Um, right? As it says, da, 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 da. So then we get the blessing from the Kohanim or from the reader acting in place of the Kohanim. And then we say, right? God give blessing, abundance, grace, et cetera, et cetera, to all of Israel. So we, we're, we're kind of echoing what we just heard in Birkat Kohanim. We're now adding our prayer to Birkat Kohanim, if I can put it that way. Okay, does that make sense? Barcheinu avinu kulanu ke'echad, bless us all of us, kulanu ke'echad, all of us together, every single one of us, 
Okay. Be'or panecha. Why do we have or? Because this harks back to ya'er Hashem panavelecha. So whatever it means, it's obviously some kind of metaphor for God to shine God's face to you. Okay. Now we say, bless every last one of us with the illumination of your face. Let's say the illumination of your presence to make it a tiny bit less anthropomorphic. Why do we want that? Ki be'or panecha natata lanu Hashem because um, oh, you, Michael Harris, you want me to wrap it up? Michael, why do I have to wrap? Tell me why I have to wrap it up. I know they're singing, but how does that interfere? Can you tell us how that interferes? He can't speak. He's not speaking. They're singing. Are we disturbing them in the sanctuary? Give it a moment. Is anyone in the sanctuary besides Michael? He's going to type in the chat. Type in the chat. I just want to know if we're disturbing them or or you can't hear. Michael can't hear. Uh, okay. Um, I'm going to take a few more minutes. Okay. Um, and then we'll wrap it up. Okay. Because uh, right in the middle of the paragraph, let's go to a quarter of. Okay. So by means of the light of your face or something like that, or panecha, through the light in your face, you have given us, what did you give us? Torah chayim ve'avat chesed. You've given us a Torah of life and love of compassion. So one important function in this expansion which comes probably more from rabbinic times than from biblical times, is the author has tied Birkat Kohanim to the thing that is most important to the rabbis, which is not the thing which is most important to the the sages, which is the thing which is not mentioned in Birkat Kohanim. What is that thing? Torah. Okay? So the thing that the sages don't, so the thing that, the Kohanim do not mention is Torah, right? Not too surprisingly, because the emphasis on Torah is really a rabbinic emphasis in general, okay? Maybe it's a Deuteronomy emphasis, but it's in general a rabbinic concern, okay? So here we have linked Birkat Kohanim to Torah. I want everyone to see that that maneuver, okay? Um and we linked or panecha. What is or panecha? What does it mean to have the light of God's face? Sim Shalom seems to imply or say that it has something to do with receiving Torah. You gave us the Torah by means of the light of your. So what does it mean? You could put it this way for the author of Sim Shalom. What does it mean that God shines God's face to us? What it means is. God gives us or gave us the Torah, right? Um, shining the face is very abstract. By the way, we say that in English also. She was beaming, right? We use that same metaphor of sun or light. You know, she was beaming with joy. We don't say she was beaming at you. We don't say you beamed your face at me in English, Right. But that's what this means. Right. 
may God beam God's face at you. And here, the what it means that God beamed God's face is Torah. All right, Torah Chaim, Torah of life and love of chesed, love of compassion. Utztakav, uvrachav, rachamim, vechayim, veshalom. Right? So God gives us all these things through the beaming of the face. But I want to point out that the thing that's really added that's different is Torah, which is not mentioned anywhere in Birkat Kohanim. So, sentence so why don't they mention that in the English? They don't say anything about what you just said. I can never answer that question because I'm not in charge of trans- English translators. Um, so sentence number one, uh, give shalom, chen and chesed, da, 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 on us and all Israel as one. That's request number one. Okay. Um, request number two, bless us, God, with or panecha, your light. Why? Because this or gives us, through the or, you gave us Torah as well as Tzedakah and Baracha and Rachamim and Chaim and Shalom, coming back to Shalom. That's clearly the key word. Okay. Remember we said each one of these brachot has a key word. Okay. So that was, that was request number two. Sentence number two is request number two. And then, Vitov Be'inecha, may it be good before you, maybe meaning may you continue to want to, God. Bless your people, Israel, all the time with shlomecha, your peace, which means peace that comes from you. So then we had the word shalom in this uh, prayer for the third time. We had sim shalom. shalom. So we have shalom in the first sentence. We have shalom in the second sentence. And then we say, may it be, may it be good. May you continue to approve Sending with peace in the third sentence, Baruch Hashem, Hamvarech Amo Yisrael, Bashalom. Right? So this bracha is Birkat Shalom. We call it Sim Shalom. Okay? And it's clearly an expansion of this final final word of Birkat Kawanim, Vyasem Lacha Shalom, and an expansion that harks back to the rest of Birkat Kawanim because it mentions bracha. Okay? And um, the light, right? Blessings and the light. So basically, we have an expansion of God should give you peace, okay? And in that expansion, that expanded paragraph, the author um, harks back to several of the key words. We had uh, bracha or um, panim, chen, okay? So we had all of those important words from Birkat Kohanim, which are brought into this bracha. Okay, uh, it's a quarter of, it's actually 14 of, so to be merciful to Michael Harris, who is hearing 100 school children singing in the main sanctuary, we're going to stop for today. God willing, we'll meet next week, and we'll pick up the thread here with comments on Sim Shalom and the priestly blessing. We'll talk more about it next week. I'm going to stop now and say, everyone, Be Torah, learn Torah, have a good day, a day of shalom. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. 
For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.